Hello, 大家好，我是 Teacher Lydia， 欢迎来到国际聊天室。Hey everyone, I'm Teacher Lydia. You're listening to International Talk. 今天很开心可以邀请到德国埃及混血人 Natasha。我们刚认识的时候聊一聊，就发现我们有很多共同点。同样都是混血儿，在不同的国家长大，因此我们有很多类似的想法。他和我分享了许多文化差异的故事，还有住在台湾的经验。于是我当时就觉得一定要邀请他上节目聊聊。I'm really excited to introduce my friend Natasha to the podcast today. It didn't take long for Natasha and I to realize that both being halfies, we had a lot in common in the way that we think and feel about certain parts of life. So without further ado, let's hear from Natasha. Welcome, Natasha. Hello. Thank you so much for coming today. I'm so happy to be here. I want to just let everyone know a little bit more about you in general. So could you tell everybody where are you from? I am. Oh man. So this is a third culture kid or Happy's like worst、uh, answer, like our question to get. Okay. So my mom is German. My dad's Egyptian. I was born and raised in the States. But lived most of my life in Egypt. Very complicated. It's very complicated. Were there any other countries that you've lived in?、Um, I lived in Lebanon, which is kind of near Egypt,、um, but mainly those three countries. Where in the U.S. did you live? Louisiana. How many languages do you speak? I speak English and Arabic. Are you learning Chinese? I okay. So the thing is. <laughs> I know how annoying it is to have like expats come to Taiwan and they like been here for so long and they don't know any. But the thing is, I was so broke when I first came here because it's like ex- like startup costs are expensive and everything else. So and I didn't expect to be here this long. I've been here for two and a half years. So I have not learned yet. But if I'm gonna, I might stay another year. If I stay another year, I'm taking conversational、uh, Chinese. Yeah. Cool. Excited about it. I think I think you'd be good at it. Really, I feel like the tones is what's gonna like kill me. For some reason, I feel like you would be good at Chinese. Okay, thank you for that. I need that confidence. What did you study at university? I studied international relations, but、um, in Egypt, before that, in Egypt they would choose your major. So I first was learning literature. I was only able to learn literature or business because of my SAT scores. So <laughs> they weren't that great. So I got stuck with those two options,、um, and then I didn't want that. So I left that and traveled around for a year, and then I decided I want to go back into、uh, international relations.、Mm. I think it's similar. Taiwan used to have that system too, where it just depends on your grades. That's what you. It's、study. horrible. <laughs> yeah, I think it's definitely changed here. I think. So now you're able to just、um, like study what you want. Does it depend on your mark though? It still depends on your grades, but I think you can set a wish list. Like you can still、mm. decide which. I think. I okay. Think, yeah. yeah, it's interesting. What brought you to Taiwan? Well, I was working in Cairo. I was working at an NGO there, and we had two revolutions in Egypt, and it's not the most progressive, free country. So、uh, NGOs is a little bit dangerous to work with, and also our economy is not that great. So I decided to get a CELTA. From the British Council. And now that you're in Taiwan, what do you like to do in your free time? I like to play board games because that's super big here. I became like more of a nerd about it ever since coming because there's so many great like cafes here actually. So like drinking and playing board games,、um, binging Netflix, exploring different parts of Taiwan has been really fun. Do you have a favorite part of Taiwan? I love Tainan. 
What do you like about Tainan? Tainan is so charming. There's just something special about it. I don't know what it is. Like, I always tell people if I would move out of Taipei, I would live in Tainan because it just feels so real. Like, it feels like the authentic experience of being in Taiwan. Interesting. Yeah. To be fair, a lot of foreigners tell me they like Tainan. Yeah. So, something about it. There's something just really special about it. Shoshian 接下来我问他那他住过哪一些国家他说他住过美国埃及还有黎巴嫩接下来我就问他他会几个语言他说他会英文跟阿拉伯文我就问他你有在学中文吗他说虽然他知道但是他说他刚来的时候没有什么钱然后他原本没有预计要待这么久他已经待了两年半但是他保证说今年如果他决定留下来他一定会学简单的绘画中文绘画我跟他说我觉得他学中文会很厉害他说他希望可以很顺利
So when people here think of Egypt, it's mainly stereotypes like pyramids and sand and camels. What was living in Egypt really like? Well, I mean, it, it's a city. It's a, we have 100 million people in the country. It's a metropolitan city like you would find anywhere else with skyscrapers and Western uh, restaurants, etc. So, um, yeah, the stereotype of us living in pyramids and stuff like that is not true. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're a big city. So, Which other stereotypes are true or not true? The stereotypes of it being polluted is true. Again, like I said, 100 million, so like that comes with a lot of pollution. It is not the cleanest place. Um, it's very chaotic, so that part is true, but we have really beautiful beaches there. And people think, like I said before, like that we don't have Western eateries or bars. There's a lot of bars in Egypt and in Cairo. There's actually a big party scene there, and um, yeah, you can drink there, it's fine. It's not like Saudi Arabia or something. So those are like usually the, the positive and negative stereotypes. But I always tell people to go and go to our beaches because we have beautiful beaches. Because you said that it's also very city-like, so maybe mm -hmm. in that sense, a little bit like Taipei. How is it different to Taipei? Well, Taipei is organized. <laughs> <laughs> like people line up for everything, which I love because in Egypt, they do not line up for anything. They will like try to um, like skip you in line and they're just like so impatient. And we don't get mail. I know that sounds strange, but we don't have like addresses where you can just get mail sent to you. Like for example, if you're gonna get your electricity bill, we actually have a guy that comes and checks your meter and you pay him right there and then. So we don't really get, we pay bills differently and we don't get mail or post or anything like that. So you don't have an address? It's complicated. It doesn't get, it won't get sent to your, your home because we don't have like streets, signs. I know that sounds really archaic, but the, the infrastructure in Egypt is, in some areas, is not that great. But they're building new cities now, and they're trying to get um, to that point, like Dubai or something. Yeah. Wow, interesting. I didn't know that. You, yeah. You can't send mail. Or you don't receive things by mail. Like, if you're American, and you, um, you can get a mail post box in your embassy. But to get it directly sent to you, it'll just be lost or something. Because, like, like, Egypt is really disorganized. Good to know. Good to know yeah. before, before traveling there. Yeah. And so while you were in Egypt, you worked at an NGO, is that correct? I did. So um, that's kind of my passion, that's my background. Again, Egypt, like I said before, is um, poor. The majority live on $2 a day. So a lot of the schools are lacking like uh, fundamental curriculum. So I worked with an NGO that focused on like holistic approaches, building up educational programs for, um, for school there, because it's kind of similar to Taiwan in that way that in Taiwan, you kind of memorize everything when you're going to school and you're focusing on that result and your parents, you might feel pressure from your parents to be like a doctor or an engineer. Egypt is the same way. Like they don't have like a lot of critical thinking programs or like focusing on encouraging like creativity through your education. So the NGO that I worked at was focusing on um, creating programs for low income schools for those specific targets like of critical thinking or creativity. Were you able to see the results of your work? No, because I, I left um, before it was like fully implemented. But I started it and um, it's going on right now. That's really amazing. Do you yeah. still get to hear about how it's going? I do, uh, but not as often as I'd, I'd hope. Why did you enjoy working um, in the NGO? Um, I like helping people. I know that sounds like cliche, but <laughs> I mean, it's the only reason why I'd want to wake up is to just help someone better themselves in any regard. 
So I mean, I can I get that here, but it feels different when you're working with like marginalized societies. So going back to your background, similar to me, we're both、um, third culture kids, in that we have parents from different cultures and we grew up in many different multicultural environments. What do you think are the main benefits of being a third culture kid? There's a lot of pros and cons, but the main benefit I feel is being able to see things from so many different perspectives. Um, and like being adaptable in any place or any situation, you can kind of like carry a conversation with anyone because like you're used to navigating through like conflicting cultures, so you kind of feel、um, comfortable doing that, which other people might feel uneasy about. Do you have an example of a situation where it helped you? I don't know if I I, I don't know if I can think of like a specific situation, but like as you can see, I, like I come from、um, a religious. Background: My family is very conservative. I don't appear that way,、um, so I don't look like stereotypical Muslim or whatever. But I can easily have a conversation with someone who's like extremely religious in whichever form, and I get along with them super well. Even though I personally am not a religious person or believe in organized religion. So growing up with different cultures, you feel comfortable talking to people with different backgrounds and different opinions. Whereas I think some people who don't have that, they feel uncomfortable when faced with someone who has very different opinions and backgrounds. Yeah, that like that's different to their own. But I like I thrive on like hanging around with people who are different with different experiences. What do you think are the main challenges then of growing up、um, in a multicultural environment? The main challenges is that you belong everywhere, but you belong nowhere at the same time because you. Are like going through these two different cultures. You're not really 100% accepted in this culture. You're not 100% accepted in the other culture.、Um, they're always going to say, "Oh yeah, it's because of that side of you that you do this." So because you're always in between cultures, you're always other, whatever community. So you kind of have to like find your own community, your own tribe. Do you have an example of a either a habit or a way of thinking that was different to one of your cultures? I grew up very conservative and religious, and in the states, it's kind of more obviously it's more open. But like when I go to the states, for example, I I wasn't raised there. I was raised in Egypt most of my life, but in America, like there's just certain like pop references or like things that they automatically got from their teen or childhood or like cartoons, like the littlest things, like cartoons that they would watch, and I have no idea what they're talking about. But they would be confused because like I sound American, but so to them they're like, oh well, she's like she's Egyptian or whatever. And then in Egypt. Um, I'm like more progressive in like my thinking. <laughs> I'm like more more liberal and more like feminist in my thinking because Egypt is still like very traditional. Because in, in America they also look at me as like a little bit more traditional too in some aspects.、Mm-hmm. So here I'm more traditional. Here I'm more progressive, and I'm like I'm just always battling those two things. So I also really like the example that you said of. You don't know. You don't watch the same cartoons because it's like small things like that that people don't realize that it can really bug you. Or you know, you're having a conversation and everyone knows that one story or that one thing that happened and you weren't there, so you're like, oh, I didn't experience that.、Right. But those tiny things actually will remind you, oh yeah, I'm not 100% from this country. Yeah, exactly. I I like that example of the cartoons. Moving on to so after how long have you been in Taiwan? Two two and a half years now. Two and a half years. So two and a half years ago, when you came to Taiwan, did you experience any culture shock, or were there any things that you were like, "Wow, this is so different to my culture or my experiences"? My experience in Taiwan was like the first day was really dope because I got dropped off in Shimen, 
<laughs> like in the middle of sh like Shimon Ding. <laughs> and I was like, what the hell? And um, it, I was like, there's like so many like neon lights and it was just so opposite to like Egypt and even like the States to me. And I was like, I felt so energized and excited. And this, the first night that I came, I was so jet lagged. I was on this flight with two foreigners and we were gonna work at the same school because I came via, um, via school. And we just went to um, Shillin Night Market the same night um, and just tried all the different food. So like my first night in Taiwan was amazing. But like after I settled in a little bit, some culture shocks were red bean. <laughs> you don't like red bean? I love red bean, but the thing is, it's sweet here. It's oh. used as dessert, and like in many places abroad, it's only eaten like savory dishes. Mm. Yeah, so I would bite into it, and I'm like, it's sweet. That's strange to me. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was hard to get used to, and it was funny because I have two Taiwanese roommates, and I would make like red beans and rice uh, for all my southern folks out there. They know what that is, or like Latin folks. Um, some like red beans and rice, like the burritos or whatever. And my Taiwanese roommate was like, she almost gagged. She was like so grossed out from it. <laughs> I'm like, that's how I feel about it being sweet. So um, red bean, for sure. Things closing from two to five. Oh, like during the afternoon. Yeah, I, I like that took some time to get used to because at first I was like, are they just closed? Like, how does this work? I, I didn't know how it worked. And then someone explained to me it was because of lunch right like they want to have lunch or they want to get ready for dinner right mm. and people here really like to take naps yeah see i love that it's great that's smart self self-care living you live with two taiwanese people you said i do i actually wanted to live with taiwanese why is that just because i'm a little older and i'm not really into like the party lifestyle and i feel like the younger expats here are into that which is cool i mean do you you're young um but i kind of wanted like more mature and i also wanted to like live with locals Another thing that really surprised me and like it still is taking time for me to get used to after two and a half years here is that no one cooks. Mm. Like there's no kitchens really available when you're looking for, for rents. Like you have to find a big apartment with a kitchen. The young people especially don't, yeah, don't cook. A but lot. I, Not everyone. <laughs> my, my housemates, for example, cook. Um, but yeah, it is true. It's hard to find kitchens. Um, I think it's mainly because people here live at home. And so the, those houses, those apartments have kitchens. Got you, yeah, that makes sense. But like everyone's like, you should just eat out, it's cheaper. And I'm like, yeah, I know, but like I like, I like to cook. So what do you like hard. to cook? Um, like pastas. I think it just saves money too, like in the long run for me. Did you cook a lot back home? Yeah, because the thing is like there's always a kitchen available. So you have, you, like at least you have that option. Like. What if you just want to make like an omelet? You know what I mean? It's just nice to have that option to just eat in sometimes instead of always thinking about like, what's my next meal going to be? Mm, but I, I think some people had like culture shock towards me a little bit when they saw me. Like in what way? Like, I don't know if you can see this. My hair looks really frizzy today, but um, <laughs> I have really curly hair. And uh, I would have people ask me and like students ask me like, does that actually grow out of your head? Like. Is that your hair? I'm like, yes, it's my hair. People have different texture hair. Um, but it's starting to become more normalized here, I think. Like, it's a trend now to have curly hair. So they thought your hair was permed? I think so, yeah. They, think it was, they thought it was fake. That was That's fun. true, actually. I don't think I've ever met, I mean, it could just be me, but I've never met an Asian with naturally curly hair. It was weird because I had a friend tell me that, like, some Taiwanese and some Asians do have, like, 
maybe wavyish hair. Wavy, yeah. Yeah, but, but not, not curly, curly. curly. Really, no. it's not in the jeans at all. I've never met one. I've okay. never met one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe they exist, <laughs> but definitely a minority if they do. And since you've been in Taiwan, I know that you've also been dating. How do you find dating in Taiwan different than other countries? Oh man, let me let me think about this one. Dating in Taiwan is a struggle. I feel like it's a struggle. It's hard dating anyway, but in Taiwan, I've never used apps so often in my life. So <laughs> there's that. But well, first off, the expat community is it's small, so you're gonna find someone that maybe dated your friend or dated someone that you know because like most expats know each other through some capacity. Like there's one or two friends. In between them, um, and then Taiwanese dudes, it's kind of hard with them because you never know if they're like interested in you or not. Sometimes, can you expand on that? Uh, like for example, a lot of well, not a lot, but like some of my foreign friends are really into Taiwanese guys, and they're always like, "Well, I don't, I don't know if they like me," and they don't, they, they never show interest, or like, they they were staring at me and they seemed like they wanted to talk to me, but they they never came up to me and talked to me. They don't take as much initiative. Yes, they do not. It's it's either like two. It's like two spectrums. It's like either they they don't show any interest at all, like zero, or they show too much interest too quickly. Mm, that's true. Too extremes. Yeah. Many guys I've met are the same. Either, yeah, too much, too fast, or nothing at all. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like meet us in the middle. <laughs> Find the balance. Exactly, balance. And how do you think Taiwanese guys are different, other than the communication side? What else do you think is different? Well, I've dated Taiwanese guys. I dated a Taiwanese guy for、um, like six months. So I like Taiwanese guys. There's a lot of positives about them. I think they're really sweet, and they're really attentive. The last guy I dated, he found out I had anemia, and he took his time to write down every food, every vegetable, every fruit. That would help me. Wow. <laughs> yeah, like he wrote that, like just like his hand, like handwriting it. So they're just really sweet. They're attentive, and、um, yeah, they're really just listen to you and want to make you happy. I think. That's true. I think they are very sweet. I always tell people that Taiwan is the only country I know where the guys will voluntarily carry your handbag. I know. <laughs> It's the only place for real. Maybe the downsides、uh, will probably be. They want to 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 be serious too quickly.、Mm. Yeah, they don't give you time to like get to know each other. Yeah, that doesn't really exist. They just like, okay, we met first date. Let's go on a trip next week.、Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard many stories like that where I think it's definitely a Western thing that we like to take our time to get to know someone and be sure before we enter a relationship. But here, it's very much. If you feel、oh, okay, we get along. Like there's some chemistry, then they'll start dating, and they'll they'll be in a relationship. And as they're in the relationship, they'll find out, oh, actually, maybe we don't like each other, or and so they kind of do that experiencing phase. Right, like casual dating each other, like getting、yeah. to know each other. It doesn't really exist here that much. Yeah, interesting. I get that question a lot from my Taiwanese friends, so it's nice to have someone else. What do they their... What do they want to know? They just want to know what's different about、oh, guys,、okay. or、hmm. if guys are different, you know. Well, I have to say is like, like the Taiwanese guy friends that I've met, they it's weird because they think foreign women are not into them, 
And I'm like, no, they are. Like, so if you see like a foreign woman at the bar or whatever, and you guys are kind of checking each other out, really just go talk to her and you will be surprised. I think we're used to guys taking more initiative or at least showing some interest mm -hmm. before we talk or make a move. And so if, if guys don't show interest, we're not gonna make a move. Yeah. Tips for any guys out there. <laughs> So in Taiwan, you're an English teacher? I am. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> uh, many of us are. What do you feel are the biggest challenges that Taiwanese students face when they're learning English? I don't know if it's necessarily like proposed to just English, but it just goes back to Egypt as well. Like it's because it's similar. The way that they teach here is more about memorizing um, and not really thinking outside the box. So I think that is one of their biggest challenges. Is, is like is critically thinking instead of just worrying about what they're gonna get and memorizing it. It's so hard to get kids to write creatively. Mm. Um, it's easier, a little bit easier with younger kids, but as they get older, because I worked at a um, middle school and a high school, and like trying to get them to write a creative story was like pulling teeth. It was really hard because they were just thinking about everything so literally. They just couldn't use their imagination. Mm, they don't get that chance very often, I think, to give their own opinions and exactly, mm -hmm. yeah. So it's it's really sad because you have to like kind of foster that in their primary days, which I don't think that they're able to do. How do you think we can do that better? <laughs> the most creative kids that I meet now are ones that read. Oh. So I would really say um, get your get your kids to read a lot of books. Yeah, that That's really helps. True. Yeah. I think also reading here is also not very big. Like reading for fun is exactly. not very common. Exactly, yeah. It's not, it's not really in the culture. But I've noticed like students that read a lot or their parents make them read, they can write really well and they can, they can speak well and their vocabulary is, is wide. Mm. And you mentioned you've taught all ages, I think, almost. I have elementary, um, middle school, high school, and adults here and there. What do you think are the biggest differences between the age groups? Like, because school is so respected here and education is so respected, younger kids, like elementary kids, still have that within them. So they'll automatically kind of just like respect their teacher. Mm -hmm. They'll like follow the rules easier, um, stuff like that. But when you're working with middle school and high school kids, I worked in an all-girls school, so that was challenging in and of itself. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, they have to like you. They have to like your personality for them to want to listen to you and learn from you because they have so much going on. They have so many other studies and like preteen puberty and like drama here. And so they have to really like you and foster a relationship with your teacher for them to want to learn from you. Does that make sense? Mm. And you've also taught adults? I did here and there, yeah. What do you think was different about the adults? The adults just want to learn conversation which I think is smart. So I would just find out like their interests. Like I had some adults who were like, like super nerds and like into Game of Thrones and stuff, which is what I'm into as well. So I was like, yes. So I would try <laughs> to like incorporate like grammar with um, like Tigarians or whatever. So I would try to find, find out stuff like that. So it's really fun. Teaching adults is fun. But you can't mess up with adults. Like, I mean, we're teachers, but we, we still have to like go back into the books and like look up some stuff because we'll make errors. So with adults, you have to be like on your game because they'll notice. All right, so we're entering the final part of the interview, and I'm going to ask you the questions I ask all my guests. 
The first one is, what would be your biggest tip for Taiwanese people learning English? I feel like this is a tip for anyone who wants to learn a new language. Because, like, for example, my mom, my parents were immigrants to the States. And when my mom went to the States, she didn't speak English. So she learned through watching TV and movies. And it's funny because I have a friend that moved to Taiwan and he didn't know any Chinese. And he started, like, listening to, um, like, music, Chinese music and um, movies. And he like, his tones and pronunciation is so good. I'm like, how did you do that? He's like, I was listening to music and movies. So I'm like, okay. So I think that would be maybe one of the best tips if you don't have money to like join lessons or you don't have time. And it's actually the best way is to immerse yourself, but pandemic, so can't do that. So I would watch movies and listen to music, um, English music or subtitles to read them. That's a good tip. I always tell my students to watch shows and movies. I think it really is a fun and great way to learn. So I agree. And the last question, if you could say one thing to Taiwanese people in general, what would it be? I want to thank your due diligence during this horrible time, 2020-2021, of the pandemic and like creating a safe haven for us so we don't have to worry about it. Um, like a safe haven for for foreigners because without you guys and without the government being so on top of things, uh, we would really be screwed. So I just want to thank you for that because that's a lot of self-control that many other countries couldn't couldn't do. It's mm -hmm. really sad. Yeah. Um, I also want to shout out to my landlords. Um, <laughs> when I first moved here, it, it's hard to start up in Taiwan when you're a foreigner because you have to pay like all the like the healthcare bill and the two the two extra months deposit and you have to like buy everything and my landlords were so sweet and they like took care of me like I was their own daughter so uh, shout out to my landlords that's amazing I think that's something that lots of foreigners tell me is that Taiwanese people are just so friendly and welcoming yeah I think a lot of people meet a Taiwanese person who's helped them and they're grateful for so for sure Thank you so much for coming today Thank and you. sharing your stories. I had a great time. 首先我就问了Tasha,大家想象的埃及跟真正的埃及有哪些差别? 他说其实大家想象埃及一定都是就是沙漠啊,然后金字塔等等,但其实像凯罗它其实是个很大的都市,也是有高楼啊,然后餐厅啊,也是有夜生活等等,所以不是大家想象的那个沙漠的样子。他说但是一样的地方可能就是可能真的那边的空气污染没那么好没有那么干净但是他说他非常推荐埃及的海滩他说那边的海边真的很美然后很鼓励大家去体验看看那另外一个比较特别的地方呢就是埃及其实没有这
。接下来我就问他说，因为其实我们两个很像的一个地方，都是我们是 third culture kid， 就是我们是在呃不同的文化中长大。那我就问他说，他认为当 third culture kid 的好处是什么？他说他觉得好处是我们可以比较容易去理解别人的一些思维。我们适应的能力比较强，然后像是在跟不同人对话的时候，比较不容易有冲突，因为我们比较常会遇到一种状况，就是身边有很多人都有很多不同的想法，所以我们比较在这个这种情况下会比较不会那么感到的困扰。那他说最困难的地方呢？当 third culture kid 最困难的地方是什么？其实他就说。You belong everywhere, but you belong nowhere at the same time. 就是你同时属于很多地方，但是你也同时不属于任何一个地方。他说你永远都不是百分之百某一个文化。他说 You have to find your own tribe. 就是你要找到属于自己的一个文化，自己的一个群组。因为可能不同的文化的人永远都不会觉得你是他们那边的人。他住在美国的时候，他不是在美国长大，所以他可能没有看他看的卡通跟。当地的小朋友看的卡通不太一样，所以有时候他们会提到一些小时候看的卡通，或是一些人物，或是一些事情的时候，他其实不知道他们在讲什么，他们就觉得他很奇怪。他就说：“哦，因为你是外国人，所以你不懂。”但是他在埃及的时候，很多人也会觉得说：“啊，你的想法好像美国人，你就是美国人。”所以他就会觉得说他永远都不属于哪里。那其实这个也是一个我也非常能理解的一个心情，因为的确我在台湾，很多人就会说：“啊，对啊，你其实是外国人，你的想法很像外国人。”但我在国。国外很多人都会觉得说，哦，因为你是台湾人，所以你想法可能不太一样。这就是一个很标准 third culture kid 的一个体验。那两年半之前他来到台湾，我就问他说，他有没有遇到一些就是让他觉得很稀奇的事情，或者他刚来台湾的时候的想法。他就说，他两年半之前来台湾，他其实是在第一个去的地方是西门町。他就说，他觉得哇，西门町就是很多灯啊，音乐啊，然后他就觉得哇，怎么那么热闹？然后那天晚上也去了市营夜市，他就觉得台湾真的很棒。那住久了，他就有遇到一些让他觉得比较意外的事情。他说，第一个是红豆，在国外红豆其实是一个主食，就是可能会在你的晚餐里面煮在，比如说配饭啊等等。但他就觉得红豆变成一个甜点是一件很奇怪的事情，他没有办法适应。然后他就说，因为他的。呃，室友们也是台湾人，然后他们每次看到他煮红豆跟饭，他都会，他们都会觉得很奇怪。他就说，但是他觉得看到红豆是甜的，他也觉得很奇怪。另外一个他不习惯的一件事情是，他说很多人都不煮饭。他说因为台湾真的太方便又便宜，所以很多人就不会自己煮。但是他觉得更奇怪的是，因为这样，所以很多公寓没有厨房设备。这件事情他觉得很奇怪，就是他以前找房子的时候没有想过还要特别问说有没有厨房或者可不可以煮饭，因为这件事情在国外就是每个人一定会有厨房，就算你不煮，你的房子里面还是会有厨房，所以他就觉得这很奇怪。然后他就说另外一件事情不是他觉得奇怪，但是他觉得当地人觉得他很奇怪的地方是，很多人会去问他的头发是不是真的。那可能听众们看不到，但是他的头发非常卷，就是真的很卷很卷。那很多人就会想要去摸他的头发，然后就问他说：“这是真的你的头发吗？”他说很多学生也会问他：“这是你长出来的吗？”他就会说：“对，这真的是我的头发，这是我的自然的头发。”所以他觉得这件事情很好笑。另外，我们就开始聊到 dating 在台湾交往的一些经验。他说，他觉得在台湾交往其实是一件很困难的事情。第一个是因为，如果你想要跟外国人在一起的话，其实这个
这个社会还蛮小，所以你们会有很多共同朋友，有时候也会遇到一些尴尬的状况。那他说他觉得台湾男生有时候很难接触，是因为他们比较不主动，或者他们可能比较不会让你知道他们对你有兴趣。他就觉得他在台湾遇到的男生都非常的极端，要么就是非常主动，然后有点太太主动，然后另外一边就是完全没有一点行为，让他觉得看不出来这个男生到底有没有喜欢他。那我就问他说，他有没有觉得台湾男生跟国外的男生哪些差别？他就说他觉得台湾男生真的很贴心，然后很体贴。他说有一次他跟一个台湾男生交往，那因为其实 Natasha 是 anemic， 就是很容易贫血。他当时在交往的对象就特地帮他找了很多，就是嗯、呃、可以帮助他的一些食材，然后全部列出来。他就觉得这件事情真的很贴心。我就跟他开玩笑说，台湾真的是我看过唯一的一个国家，就是男生会主动帮你提包包这件事情，在国外这件事情绝对不会发生。他就说他也是第一次看到。那他说可能台湾男生的算是缺点吧，就是他觉得很多台湾男生会想要太快、太正式在一起，因为其实国外的做法呢都是比较先呃，我们先认识彼此，然后。熟一点，我们再决定要不要在一起。那其实台湾呃很多人比较习惯的就是我们先在一起，然后慢慢认识彼此，然后再看看哎顺不顺利这样。所以他觉得这是一个文化差异，让他觉得可能一开始有点不习惯。那他就说他想要他身边有一些台湾男生朋友，他们都会说哦，因为外国人都不喜欢我们。然后他就说这不是真的，他说叫大家不要去相信这个。他说你只要稍微让他们知道你对他们有兴趣，也不用太多，但就是稍微主动一点点。其实搞不好你就会遇到一个心仪的对象。那最后我们就讨论到，当英文老师，那他说也是一个英文老师，那我就问他说，他觉得台湾学生遇到的困难有哪一些？他说他觉得台湾学生跟埃及学生蛮像，就是学习的方法都是用背的，比较不会去批判性的思考。那他觉得这是一件很可惜的事情，所以他想要。鼓励大家多去发展这方面的学习，特别是在比较小的时候。他说，例如很多小孩，你叫他们去写一篇故事，或者自己去想一个 idea 的时候，他们比较做不到，他们比较没有办法用自己的想象力去想象一个故事。那他觉得这是一件很可惜的事情。那我就问他，他觉得怎么样可以让这件事情进步？他说。他很鼓励学生读书、看书，就是不要是为了学校而看书，而是为了兴趣而看书。他说，通常比较常看书、看小说啊这种书，这些小朋友他们不但词汇比较好，也会讲话跟写字都比较顺利一点。最后，我就问他说：“你想给台湾人哪一个建议？关于学习学英文？”他说，他觉得最好的建议是可以利用。电视啊，电影啊，跟听音乐去学英文。他说他发现很多人用这个方法去学发音也会比较标标准，而且学起来也比较轻松，比较好玩。他说像他妈妈刚搬去美国的时候也不会讲任何英文，但他妈妈就是透过看电视跟看电影去把英文学好。最后我就问他说，你有想对台湾人说些哪些话？他说他想要感谢台湾，他觉得台湾人跟台湾的政府都做得非常好。关于肺炎、新冠肺炎这件事情，他觉得大家都很努力地在保护这个国家，然后保护里面的人，让他这个外国人也觉得在台湾非常的安心跟非常的安全。
，然后他想特别特别感谢他的房东。他说他刚来台湾的时候遇到可能一些困难或者比较不懂的事情，他的房东都很热心，然后对他非常好，所以他就觉得台湾人真的很温暖，很谢谢台湾人。今天听完了 Tasha 的分享，有没有觉得学到很多？真的很有趣，他的背景也是很精彩。然后我觉得听他的想法，也会觉得可以学到很多新的一些想法。那如果你喜欢今天的访谈，之后想要听更多的访谈的话，欢迎在各个平台上订阅我们的 Podcast 国际聊天室。也非常欢迎你在 IG 帮我们分享，也可以泰国文或是在我们的发文站下面留言你的想法。I really enjoyed my conversation with Natasha today. I hope you did too. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and check out the video on YouTube as well. You can also follow me on Instagram, Teacher Lydia underscore Languages. Let me know what you think of the interview so far. 谢谢你今天收听今天的访谈，我们下次见。Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you next time.